Hey, welcome back to episode three of the Out of Home podcast with Jess and Ben. Today, I am so, so, so excited to be um, interviewing Jess Monroe from So Good World. Hi. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a real honour to have you on the show today oh, um, because you, if not many people will know this, but Jess is actually the reason that I'm probably in Out of Home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, how did that come about? Well, sliding doors moment really um I've known Jess for probably t- over 10 years now yeah. right easy 10 15 years yeah probably and, pushing 15 yeah and um back in the day when when you was I think you was at global at the time might have even been before that maybe I feel like I was leaving global yeah so um, no there's a few years th- that you was at global that oh, I knew you I thought you meant when when we mentioned about the job no, no, no. yeah no I knew you at global yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and back when I had the magazine you did some writing yeah. for me as yeah. well yeah. yeah I used it jumpstart Bloods, yeah. they were going <laughs> yeah. back really really jump far off, back yeah. jump off that was mm-hmm. it and I hadn't seen Jess in about a year or something I've been down in Southampton working and I just bumped into you while shopping and I, I said oh I'm doing all this these marketing management jobs and I just want to get back into sales. Um, don't know what I want to do. And another company, another out of home company, uh, which Jess knew really well, they'd said to me, "Do you want to do radio or out of home? There's a job going. What do you think?" And I said to Jess, "What do you reckon?" And you said to me, "No, <laughs> go, go okay, to then. Clear Channel. Mm-hmm. You, the, your words were, go there. Mm-hmm. You'll love it." And I'm like, "Billboard? Yeah, that that sounds a bit fun." Yeah. Like better than radio, and this is a, so I was like, right, determined that's the role that I'm going to do. Wasn't, and I was going up like, please help me get a job. And yeah. then it, I was literally like applying everywhere to try and get this job, and um, I, I got the job. And that I mean, that's a funny story in itself because when I had to do the presentation on the, my last slide, I put a photo of myself saying. <laughs> saying like better call Jess and they I didn't know whether it was going to go down completely bomb you always come up with good little tactics like that yeah and Anita I love Anita yeah she's amazing she's amazing she was both our bosses at one point was this at Clear Channel this is at Clear Channel she burst out laughing and was just like and I thought yes I've got the job yeah Yeah. so yeah thank you to Jess because if it wasn't for Jess I would not be doing out of home and the last three it's been three years it's probably two and a half years or three now I've been doing it and I'm loving every minute so. yeah you've, you've really made such a name for yourself thank you yeah, uh, but you everyone have, keeps getting confused thinking I'm you but also I would say we're probably the only young uh, this is bad we're one of the very few younger people mm-hmm. in the out of home industry yeah. I remember when I left Clear Channel and told Jono that uh, who was someone on our team I'm going um, elsewhere, and he's, oh, you'll love it there. They're all young there, and they like to go out and party. Everyone here is just people that were in old, like, they, radio they heads. They were doing that sort of 10, 20, 20 years ago. They were yeah. doing the party in there. Yeah, and I'm like, really? Um, I, I, like, I get it now, but I, I think a lot of people in the out-of-home industry... They are like experienced in radio or the old newspaper, yeah. the old tradi- yeah. traditional. Um, yeah, because a lot of people stay within the, the the media advertising role. Yeah, and as the newspapers shut down and there was less need for account managers at newspapers, moved into radio, and then that kind of got less and less. And then um, because you, the, th- the thing with radio now, because pretty much everything is a network as opposed to local shows and local radio. Mm-hmm. There's not really a massive need for local reps to go and sell advertising. They mm-hmm. want, you know, the, the big national clients to spend across the, all of the stations. Yeah. Um, 
so then the, the next thing then is is outdoor so you yeah. can't, it's like a bit of an incestuous industry people yeah. just move they don't and really everyone knows what another don't yeah. know yeah but we i guess for me and jess we came from like the music and promotions bra- background mm-hmm. and yeah. the, the nightlife and going out scene so we were bringing new clients to the industry yeah, yeah. which were going oh, what billboards i don't want to go on billboards yeah what, what would I-, I think the perception's always been when i first started that they're so expensive yeah and people no one's gonna be able to afford them um yeah. But yeah, I think you know you've you've really made such a name for you. Sorry, she's just my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's here, and she's just crawling under the table. Oh, <laughs> I just don't want her to like yeah. strangle yeah. herself with her leaves no, or no. something. Whether she falls in the audio. This is real life. <laughs> Everyone meet summer. Summer, our youngest guest so far. Well, the audio's still running, and um, we can chop out with you, Q. You got anything to say, Summer? Uh, You want to say your first word? (laughs) Pressure on the camera. Um, So, yeah, you're saying that working with artists, Mm. would you say that is a younger game because of what you mentioned that you're going out, or is that not always necessarily needed in the role or is it with the socialising element um into just in, in the music industry yeah um it's funny because the higher up you get the older obviously the people are so mm. if you're talking to label well majority label heads etc are in their sort of 40s and 50s but if you're talking to A&Rs who or marketers who might be in control of a marketing budget for a specific artist campaign then yeah they're definitely younger yeah and, and it's just working out whether because I was at the Radio Academy Festival yesterday, as you yeah. know, presented about the metaverse, and I was just trying to... I think radio is obviously a medium that always needs to be concerned with <laughs> finding new audiences and bringing in new audiences. And um, whereas, you know, as an outdoor company, you don't have to think about that. You've got the audience. It's, it's, yeah. it's you know, you can't avoid outdoor media, whereas radio, you have to specifically tune in, so you're, you're trying to get that audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really different. It's interesting though. Yeah. Mm. So going back to out of home, you you was in out of home, you was in the music yeah. and promotions. Yeah. And, and then baby to the left hand side. Uh, okay. <laughs> she's so well behaved. Really, like if if my son was here at the moment, he would literally be everywhere. She's she's really well behaved. Um, go on, Jess. So, so I was going to say, oh, where was we? Um, so yes, you you was in and out I of home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you was in out of home at Global, and then you and Bauer as well. Yes, you I left it to Global and went to Bauer. Yeah. Yeah, left Global, went over to Bauer. So I was at BRMB, and we were doing Kiss brands and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I mean, I kind of just I didn't want to do sales anymore i was wanting to do something different to radio um and i have been doing radio for a long time like maybe eight nine years yeah um and so when anita yeah left global to go to uh clear channel she'd contact me and said come over here i think you know it's, yeah. it's going to be a lot more relevant to a lot of the clients that you already speak to so i went there yeah did outdoor and then um Juanita and i set up our own marketing company yeah Essentially, we were doing everything from website builds through to sorting outdoor and everything. Um, 
And then that's when I started managing artists because Stardom was my first artist. So he contacted me about doing a load of billboards. Oh, okay. And I booked him, I think it was like 10 billboards for an album release. Um, and I said, you know, are you doing any of the marketing for it? And he, and most artists you find are just like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, have you thought about, I don't know, doing some bits on social media? or? And he's like, oh, well, I, you know, I wouldn't know how to do that. Yeah. So I kind of started helping him with bits. And then for maybe a good year, I think he was just asking me to manage him. And I was like, I can't, I've got, you know, I've got a full-time job. I wouldn't know what I'm doing. I don't know enough about the music industry. And I ended up speaking to a few people that I did know in the music industry who were also managers. And they were just like, look, just give it a go. No one plans to be a a manager. You just sort of fall into it. So, um, yeah, I gave it a go. And I still manage him now. I think it's been like seven years. And he's doing great, isn't he? Yeah, he's doing really well. He should be doing better and sometimes I think is that, you know, is there something out more that we could do? But I think it's really difficult, him being from Birmingham and not being a white artist. And that's not to put down the white artist, but it's just, it's it's more of a struggle being from Birmingham in the sort of rap that he does. Do you think it's a struggle because people outside of Birmingham aren't as supportive or people in and Birmingham? Oh, oh really because no, big up stardom because <laughs> stars is who he is i think he struggles to get the support fully of birmingham um mm. and because he's had trouble in the past he's not able to perform here right. he's not able to even do sort of club shows here or anything like that in fact most of the midlands so that's always been a big barrier um and i think a lot of people are just scared of him especially in london a lot of the other rappers are actually scared of him which is mad to me because he's such a nice guy to me yeah um but yeah, and, and then obviously outside of, of Birmingham, a lot of rap fans don't like the accent. <laughs> and There's nothing wrong with their accent. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not actually from Birmingham, but I love the accent, so and I, I do sound a bit bummy now. But, um, you know, even, even now, and he's been around for sort of 15 years, people still comment in, in, on the YouTube sections like, oh no, he was great until he started, you know, until I heard the accent, or etc. So I think that's been a struggle for him. But yeah, no, he's great. And then off the back of that... What did I do then? Um, got approached by a company called LCM who were managing um, a few bigger artists and kind of had their own label set up as well and producers and they'd asked me to come in and help organise the label. So I did. And that's where I met Lucy who nice. then asked me to join Soberworld. So a good friend of mine, Lucy, set up this company with um, her friend Des and it's essentially a creative consultancy and management company to get artists and brands into the web three space mm-hmm. and so when i say web three everyone's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i know it means i sort of say it in general now but you know six months ago i didn't know what it meant either but um i could just sort of break it down quickly we're in the third stage of the internet now so the first stage was back in the night is um email and really plain websites which is essentially just like blog pages not interactive at all mm-hmm. Fast forward to the sort of 2000s and onwards where social media came and really interactive websites. And now, and that was the second stage of the internet. And now we're in the third stage, which is Web 3.0. The scary web thing. 3, which <laughs> is like the metaverse, NFTs, crypto, that kind of stuff. And it's scary because it's unknown to us. Yeah. But it's so, it's so new and it's so early. Um, there's such a small portion of, you know, the general public that are involved in this space or know about this space, but give it five to ten years and it'll be completely it'll be adopted do you think it'll be that long probably not i say five to ten years for the metaverse yeah and that's when i've spoken to i'm not an like an expert in terms of the tech and the development of it but when i've spoken to people five to ten years seems to be the that's where the metaverse will be at its 
you know, optimum. Mass adoption. Yeah. 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 Which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's... It's, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But it's but, good that you're getting involved early, I guess, because yeah. you're, you know, you've got experience from all these different fields yeah. and you'd be the sort of person where, you know, you, you know that many people as well that you will be able to educate people from all different walks of life from all different ages to say actually yeah. don't be scared of it yeah. it's not a bad thing yeah. don't watch ready player one and go oh my god yeah i, I don't want that to happen it literally feels like like when i first started talking about all this stuff i thought it was i literally felt like i was in black mirror episode it's yeah bit, it's like that weird you know everything's for likes and follows and we're living in this strange virtual world but um no, there's, there's, there's amazing parts to it. And, and I don't think it's going to be that we're just living in a virtual world for, for the for our, you know, majority of our lives. A lot of kids come back from school and sit on Roblox for three to four hours, and that is a virtual world. Mm-hmm. So there's people already, and that generation, sort of Gen Z and Gen Alpha, are, are going to be the people that adopt this and, right. and make it part of their lives. Um, but, you know, before lockdown, we didn't think we'd all be sat doing meetings on zoom mm. and that that would continue after lockdown and we wouldn't go we'd only be going to the office one day a week but here we are mm-hmm. like you know technology and the internet adapts to to what our, our lives are at that time yeah so nfts yeah have you got any um yeah i've i've only bought artist ones so i think i kind of i kind of section nfts in my head in two different um sort of two different elements so there's the sort of investment pieces or the big you know the, the board apes and the sort of well-known ones mm-hmm. and then there's music nfts which or artist nfts which are much lower level price wise she's cheering you on <laughs> um and which are more to become part of a fan community yeah so i've got i bought a few of those more so to support the cause and um, and also just to see the buying process because each platform that you buy on has a different buying process. Although now, I think which is what's really good is you can essentially just buy it on your card. Mm. Yeah, I saw so, that for the Brit Awards ones. Yeah, um, yeah, Mystery did one for the Brit Awards, mm. and it was really easy to kind of buy that and support that, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I think when when they first came about, and it was like, well, you've got to buy this crypto, so you set up a wallet, then you buy the crypto, and then you. By using the crypto, you buy the NFT, and it becomes really complicated. Yeah. Whereas now it's just, you know, you just buy it with your card, yeah. and it'll go into your wallet, and that's it. So, um, one quick question. You mentioned earlier that, you know, before you started managing artists, somebody put it forward to you that you would be good at it, and then you've gone on to learn a new facet regarding the metaverse and NFTs. What is that in you, Jess, where, where you will have that willingness to learn something new? It, I don't know. I think probably if I'm if I'm speaking on it uh, from a not a negative aspect, but I think I get bored. Not necessarily bored quite easily, but I can't. I mean, I was at Global for eight years, so I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think yeah, I just like to be new, do new stuff and push yourself in yeah, a way. And I think um, yeah. I think not necessarily that um, you know staying in the same job for a certain amount of time is boring if it's if the tech behind the job is changing or the job itself is changing. But yeah, for me, I think I always say yes to opportunities. So if something comes along, and I think I can always go back into account managing mm-hmm. if this doesn't work out, I'm just going to give it a go. Um, so yeah, with the with the web three stuff, when Lucy approached me, it was for a while I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to get it. I don't really understand that space. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I kind of just thought, yeah, let me learn and see. And if it seems like it's something that's interesting to me, then I'll definitely give it a go. I, I think that is one of the most interesting things about humans that a lot of the times we don't see in ourselves what others can. So the theme I'm getting from what you're telling me is that people see you as someone who will pick up something new and you'll do really well with it. Yeah, I think they know I'll give it a go. Yeah. Have you seen that film, uh, Yes Man, with Jim Carrey? Yeah, it? yeah. It's Jess. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I'll do it. I'm, I'm game. You are. So we were just talking about, you know, the willingness to try new yeah, things. Yeah, and it's important. You have to say yes. Yeah, because the world's constantly changing around us, so you have to have that. But I do, I do think it is a good. It's definitely a positive thing to have because we'll often tell ourselves that we can't do it for some reason that I'm not exactly sure of. But yeah. like I'm saying, others see the strengths and things in our character that perhaps yeah. we don't see. Um, just very quickly, I'm not up to date with the metaverse totally, but we had a guest on yesterday, and and he was asking the question, do do we think that there'll be advertising in the metaverse? You, do, you yeah. think so? Yeah. yeah, you can buy real estate and stuff in in the metaverse now. There's um, billboards in the metaverse. Yes. There is. So yeah, so on the billboards. Yeah, so Ocean, I think with um, they've got a repl- replica of the actual billboards that they've got, like Piccadilly Lights in one metaverse. There's other metaverses which will have billboards in them. If you've got to think that every metaverse that's been made right now they're going to have an audience. So yeah. if you're bringing however many views into this yes. space, then that's eyeballs that, you know, you can sell. 100%. And if we just go back to the Roblox example, they have 200 million monthly users and 70% of those are 16 years and under. So if if you have a brand that wants to target that generation <laughs> And especially as they grow older and stay on Roblox and or within the metaverse, whichever metaverse it is, Sandbox, Decentraland, um, they're going to want entertainment. So when we spoke, when I spoke yesterday at the Radio Academy Festival, I was saying, you know, there will be radio in the metaverse, so there'll be radio advertising in the metaverse. Um, there's already concerts in the metaverse, and brands can sponsor the stages. You know, um, Ariana Grande performed in Fortnite. She made about $20 million from selling digital merchandise, people to wear her outfits and stuff. Like (laughs) Nike have contracts, you can buy Nike trainers in the metaverse. Yeah. So they'll definitely, they'll 100% be, I mean, there already is, but they'll be, definitely be outdoor advertising in the metaverse. I think it will take a while though for the out-of-home industry to catch on. Reason being is because the out-of-home industry as a whole is older. And yeah. we touched on this earlier about being probably the younger ones in the industry that are like, yeah, metaverse, NFTs, woo. Yeah. But then the older ones are like, what's that? <laughs> they'll go to like yeah, meetings sure. that will take ages to happen. And then they'll be like, yeah, that's cool. But we like to see things in real life. Yeah. And that's cool. But yeah. I think that out of home companies probably really need to get to grips with the fact that these new brands, mm-hmm. like all these brands are really, this is a hot topic mm-hmm. and the yeah. younger people they're trying to reach, yeah, they'll go out in real life and yeah, they'll still see the billboards yeah, but they're sure. interested in the metaverse as well. And like, I think the scary part of it for me was thinking, as I said, when I watched that Mark Zuckerberg video about meta and he was like, you know, we're going to do meetings in the metaverse and we're going to go shopping, we're going to do this and that and I thought, I'm I'm not, definitely not going to do that mm-hmm. but I will do a meeting in the metaverse we've done one with Soap World we went and did yeah. we went into a metaverse called Nowhere which is great because <laughs> it's not like a cartoon or avatar version of yourself it's essentially just your actual face on the camera inside a little avatar that moves on you press up and down button on your keypad 
on your computer. Oh, you just go on the, it's just on the internet and you literally just walk around the room and you can all face each other and chat. Nice. And then you can all walk over to a different part of the room. We had some NFTs put in as a sort of gallery. Yeah. yeah. So we, we walked over to them. We can all look at them together as if we're in a gallery. And that's fantastic because, you know, Lucy's in LA, Des is in London, I'm in Birmingham. Yeah. There's loads of things you can do. I think, um, like I said, with music that I was talking about yesterday, artists performing in the metaverse. Would you go to arrive in a metaverse? <laughs> and if uh, me at the moment, I, I can't picture it. I couldn't think of anything worse than but, being in my living room, like, yay, yeah. waving to the walls. If you put one of the headsets on. The VR yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing. And you're like so immersed into it. But I think things like, um, if I gave an example, okay, if you've got a... Travis Scott fan, he did a big concert in Roblox. If you've got a Travis Scott fan who's 15 years old, living in Scotland, could never afford to go, uh, or whose parents will never pay for him to go to America to see him, or even to wireless or whatever, but he can go into the metaverse and watch him perform on Roblox for free. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's fantastic, because that's giving access to people that wouldn't be able to get that access in real life. Yeah. Um, and just sort of enhancing your direct interaction with fans as an artist. So... What outdoor can start looking at is things like, um, you know, putting up billboards when there's a show on yeah. Yeah. in places and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, it's guaranteed audiences, isn't yeah. it? It just makes sense, you know, if it, Travis Scott is putting a show on in the metaverse, you know there's going to be so many people that are going to watch it. You know well, there's going to be so many eyeballs. He, he had like 30 million plays on his concert. The, the Lil Nas X one, he got 33 million plays on his concert, which is more than he will ever get in his entire life and in real, real talk. Yeah. Um, so that just shows the scope of it. Yeah. And, and again, it's not for us. This isn't for for us yet. Yeah. We're not going to go and watch, I don't know, you know, who, whoever, I would, Naz. But yeah. if they did a DMX concert in the metaverse, I'd go and watch that. I probably actually would watch that because yeah. I'm never going to get a chance to do it in real life now. Yeah. You, know, so you can bring back that version of him and create that. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. is kind of, it is a little bit Black Mirror-ish when you it say is, yeah. it like that, isn't it? That yeah. You, you yeah. Know, bring him back and then have but the concert. But this is the thing. Going back to the sort of timeline of the internet, in the 90s, and everyone had said, well, what the hell's an email? I don't understand. Mm. I remember I worked at Argos when I was 15 at the big, because I lived in Stafford, at the big warehouse, right? And I, I, don't, I, I think they thought I was older than I was. And it was, you know, in those days where you could just kind of get away with stuff. <laughs> yeah. I just started the job. <laughs> I was 15, I'd go straight from school in my school uniform. <laughs> and I did ev- every evening. And I was in the e-commerce team. And this was on, like, the internet first pretty much started. That shows mm. how old I am. And <laughs> um, so people could... And I remember th- them saying, like, this is going to be the next thing. And everyone was like, no one's going to go onto a website to order something. We just go in the shop or we can call up, we can look on the catalogue, that kind of stuff. And we're probably getting, like, 10 orders a day. And it would come through on a little, like, the, the little computer. And, and, and it's actually mental to think about now. Yeah. But look at us now. Yeah. All the half the high street shops shut down. Mm-hmm. Everyone buys everything online. And then move forward to the th- 2000s when social media came in. And everyone was like, oh, God, I'm terrified for our kids. They're going to, you know, everything's going to be online. And it is, but it's, it's part of all of our lives now. I don't, think there's, I don't know anyone. Even my parents have Facebook. Um, there's, there's not many people who are not involved in social media and it's become part of their of course, life. Yeah. So this will be the, the same, next yeah. iteration of that. It's just something to us, which at the same moment is very alien. Yeah. But in five to ten years, we'll be, and, it, and, it doesn't, and that's not to say, as I said, that we'll get home in a Black Mirror episode and put on our headset and just stay on that for the rest of the night. We will live our normal lives, but this will be an extension of it. 
I mean, you look at like Instagram when it first came out, you think, oh yeah, it's cool, picture taking up. You took, took a few cool po- photos once a month, once every week. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like every day you're uploading stories. stories yeah. Reels, you know, the lot. There's so much. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, you, you've, you've delved into all that kind of marketing as yeah. well for your artists, yeah. for what you do and everything. You're so on it. So in terms of like when you're speaking to a client mm-hmm. and or an artist yeah. that you manage and you say right marketing I'm gonna this is the strategy yeah there's so many different layers this is it. yeah it, you have to and and your budget now has to stretch to everything yeah because it's it's okay to say you do your organic stuff in which is just you as an artist posting on TikTok or you as an artist posting on Instagram but to actually get it out to a, a obviously, as you know, a bigger audience, we're going to need to do some billboards. We're going to need to pay for some TikTok influencers or some TikTok ads, some ads on Snapchat, on Instagram, on Twitter. You know, it's like literally every single... A real mixed bag. Blog pages. And yeah. Don't you think as well, I, I've noticed this more than ever now, because I am can be quite vocal on the socials, so I'll get a lot of like music artists come to me wanting help. Yeah. And a, a lot of music artists, because they are like music nerds or producers that are in their studio that's all they know is music they don't know the first thing about out of home or radio advertising or even strategies for tiktok or social and they're coming to me for advice because there's not really that many places where they can kind of go to and go how do i go about getting that Mm -hmm. or if they do it's too long and 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 also if they do a lot of it would be charged for straight away so even advice would be charged for yeah or with the premise that you're then going to do your campaign with them so there's some there's like fantastic agencies in london like 22 agencies amazing it's two um women called whitney and tasha who are brilliant aren't they yeah and they've done they've managed artists they still manage artists um tasha's managing k-trap whitney manages sugar babes they've got like they've got an amazing history in the music industry and they've set up on their own so that they can be that sort of point of call of an independent artist or a label to say um here's our release sort of tell us what we need to do and they'll plan everything um and there's there's a couple of agencies that do that kind of thing um but if you're an independent artist in birmingham and you don't know of 22 agents and you don't know of you know like stardom when i first met him yeah had no idea about other than using ditto to get their music onto the the dsbs yeah that's kind of the 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 basis of knowledge or oh i've got some mates that can post you know like the flyboys that look after now they're like yeah i've got some mates that can post on tiktok and things like that but um yeah i'll tell you what's mad so the Flyboys are, they've just all been 16. They're yeah. in like, just finished their GCSEs, starting college now. Um, they, do, they barely use Instagram. Really? They don't care about Instagram. So I, have w- to, I, have to, I have their logins and I will post on their behalf on Instagram. Wow. Or I have to tell them to post on Instagram. They only They're care just about not bothered. Snap and yes. TikTok. Okay. They don't care about Instagram, which is mad to me. Um, don't use email. <laughs> Never used email. Don't even think they have an address. So do you Maybe contact have an address them? just to be able to log into something. We just, everything's WhatsApp. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but but even weirdly to that, I had to make one of them join it, um, WhatsApp, and he was like, oh, just message me on Snap. I'm like, no. <laughs> Which is funny you say that. I'm not going on Snap every time I need to speak to you. <laughs> we, we've got a couple of, like, 20-year-olds that are in this company, and, uh, yeah, they use Snapchat to communicate yeah. with the parents. I'm like, why? Yeah. That's so strange. It's just, like, they're just on it constantly, so... That's their, that's their WhatsApp. Yeah, but it's safer what? as well, right? You can check someone's location, yeah. so I think it's good for that. But so with Flyboys, we didn't get a chance to speak to uh, Desper about Flyboys oh, yeah. when he came in. Yeah. And I, after we stopped recording, we'd had a bit of champagne, hadn't we? <laughs> so we are like, oh, no. I said, it's fine, we'll talk about Flyboys when Jess comes in because... Th- 
really cool what you're doing yeah. with Flyboys. They're from yeah. Birmingham. There's three yes. lads. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, three. Uh, when we met them, they were 15. Um, they all go to school together. Really good lads. Um, all rap and sing. Um, and I suppose they're different. Well, they're different in the sense that they're a rap group that are, there's three of them. That's not really usual duos or solos. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're good. They're not trying to, you know, they're not trying to be gangbanging and all, and all, all that that I've had artists with previously that have struggled to be able to do anything brand from a brand perspective because they're kind of in a, a position where no brands will touch them yeah um and they've just got great energy they come to the studio desperate studio every wednesday um yeah like they're just little star boys you, you know yeah. i've managed so many different artists or worked with so many different artists and these are at the top in the sense of i walked into the room met them Desper's playing some of the music and i was like as soon as we left the room i was like Desper, and I, like this is it like we have to manage them. Yeah. Um, and they're just really appreciative. Um, it's nice to work at the very beginning with an artist. Like we're really developing them. So when we got them on the um, next up for Mixtape Madness, for example, I've got artists that I've worked with where I had to literally plead with them to do a, a daily duppy. I'm like, no, this is going to be, you know, we really yeah. need to do this. Whereas these, you know, I said to the guys about this next up and they're like, oh my God, I'm so exciting. <laughs> Took them all down to London. It was like a day trip. They were just Aww. gassed. Yeah. Um, so it's nice. Yeah. It's, really good. it's nice as well, isn't it, to have something a little bit different, like what you're saying. You know, if they're not pushing the like gang banging of thing yeah. was the expression you use, but um, <laughs> it, it's nice to <laughs> see a little bit something a little bit different come mm. through, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. They just they're a bit like I suppose they're a bit like a D block. Yeah. Europe, but three of them and, yeah. and with the singing and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're nice. Really good. Yeah. And you just had that feeling instantly that these guys are going to make it. Yeah, for sure. The age, um, their vibe. Is the metaverse a threat to digital out of home? So, so say for instance, our digital no. billboards, or will they live together? Oh, yeah, people are still going to be in the real world and still going to the shop to walk past the billboard and still driving to work. And I mean, probably, I, I don't know. Have you noticed a difference in? more people working from home so has there been less impressions or anything like that or is it it, it people are moving to different areas yeah. so you'll yeah. find that i mean we've seen that, that like retail parks right, are yeah. a really good place to advertise now mm. whereas before you'd be like what but more mm. people are saying local rather than going into yeah. city centers yeah, sure. vans have been incredible for yeah. us because we're them. literally taking the van where it needs mm-hmm. to be yeah. so for music artists especially they're loving it because they're going right it's got sounds it can be really yeah loud we can yeah, take it on shoots artists. yeah and like we can drive it around central london i think i think the reason the digivan's so good for artists as well is a lot of them want something in specifically in their hometown or their home street to show mm. that you know i've made it yeah. um so when we're looking at something for ofb for example there's nothing in anywhere near their area it would have to be quite significantly far away it, which oh, okay. which was just pointless for them so yeah digivan's fantastic yeah yeah I've, I've been seeing all of them they're great so what's your favorite out of home campaign you've done for music artists I've so, done. um so i remember seeing the first one that you did for i think it was for nathan Dawes in birmingham it was oh on yeah, a digital nathan screen while you was at clear He's channel yeah. and i was like come on jess <laughs> um yeah a lot of people it's it's I think a lot of people want to do it not necessarily because they're going to get a return on investment if they're just doing one day of one billboard. Yeah. It's more for social media presence. And people don't realise that you can do one day. Yeah. Like, you know, most media owners will go, oh, you've got to do minimum two weeks two and weeks. you've got to spend a minimum yeah. of this. And yeah. you were saying earlier, you know, people have these 
um, perception that out-of-home advertising has to be really expensive. Yeah. Well, it doesn't if you know the right people. Yeah, for sure. Just, and if you, if you just want to do that announcement day, which is what I suggested with the H stuff that we did with LimeWire, yeah. um, I said to them, if you just do one day across all these screens in Manchester, that's hugely impactful for, for the launch day. It doesn't need to be that you continue it you know, for budget restraints. But um, what's the best one we've done? Um, I mean, we've had some nightmares because I remember stardom... <laughs> Tell us about your biggest nightmare after. <laughs> I'll tell you, I can, I, that's come to my mind already. Because when we, so my biggest nightmare was we did Stardom's campaign. And at the time, I didn't know, I wasn't, you know, I'm not from Birmingham. I didn't know the different sides that he can and can't be in. And, right. and he had a, he got a billboard on Soho Road, which is like the opposite of his end, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Speaking, you know, speaking professionally. And, um, <laughs> And it's gone up, and I had a call from, I think it was, no, Anita had a call from Westmoreland's police <laughs> into Clear Channel to say that it had been set on fire. The billboard had been set on fire. Oh. Um, it had been petrol bombed, basically. Wow. Because he put up a, a big stardom, and it just said stardom, Gods and Dreams, in, you know, the opposite end. Oh, no. Main area. So I had no idea. Yes, that was, so it was literally on fire. Oh, no. I mean, it's, in a weird, it's awful. I would never let him do that now. But in a, in a weird way, at the time, he got loads of people filming it, like, "Oh my god!" Like, you know, yeah. the sun's on fire, and oh, that was. Just, so anyway, it was. But um, what's that? Yeah, no, that was quite bad. No press is good. No bad no. press is good press. What's, old, what's the saying? Old press, old press is, is good, good press. press. Yeah. Yeah. So he, like, I think he probably had an idea that something like that was going to happen. Um, what's been really good? I think we've done. To be fair, <laughs> um, JK did a really good campaign. Um, I think it was for toothache, um, and he did all the digital bus stops. That was quite good. Oh, cool. Um, Saf one did some great advertising. He got you know Ryan Taylor, the big biker DMX guy. Yes, he went on top, kind of drove the bike, rode the bike on top of the billboard. Yeah, and went into all the local press and stuff. Oh, I didn't like, see that on top of the billboard. In oh, cool. Right in um, the big roundabout by Bigate Junction. Yeah, so that was quite that. good. There's a few things, and this is the thing, most of the art, it's not necessarily just what you post in, it's the artist doing their own things behind it. So that's very clever when he does things like that. Yeah. Um, and he did a, you know, go and take your photo next to the billboard and you'll get a free CD or whatever it is. Yeah. But do you, don't you think that do. more artists are doing that? I'm finding yeah. this. More artists are looking at the billboard space and going, what else can we do with it? Yeah. And all these kind of younger fast track companies, Gymshark do it really well. Yeah. They don't just do a billboard and yeah, go... Sure sell now on or whatever they'll go right what else can we do that's yeah. going to get in the press mm-hmm. get some social media traction maximizing the, the money that they're spending for a, a billboard if you can then get a press off the back of it social media sharing that's the main thing people want yeah this to be everywhere so if they can get that just because by by using a clever idea as opposed to spending a massive budget yeah it's the best thing you can do so with all these tools that we've got at our uh, disposal does it make managing artists harder or easier if you compare it to a few years ago yeah. to now? Um, it's harder as a manager because there's so much more you have to be on top of and know about and have contacts for and have budget for. Um, but it's probably easier for the artists because you've now got access to a much bigger scale of a sort of pool of ways to market to people and audiences you can get to. But again, that's if you're if you have budget mm-hmm. so usually for sign if you're if you're a signed artist and it's the label's responsibility to market your campaign now if they have a decent budget that should be a lot easier yeah. because they can do everything um 
but it, it, the kind of goalposts have changed there because now it's like, well, we've got to get it trending on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So that's a sort of different marketing initiative than it would have just been to we just need to get the well, streams you? up or we just need, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and now it's so much emphasis is put on TikTok. It's mad. And, and to ha- when I manage artists like Morrison and Sardom, they don't want to be on TikTok. You know, they're, yeah. they're 30 years old. Yeah. Their kids might be on TikTok, but they don't want to be. And they're very serious guys. You know, they're not, they don't want to be dancing around on TikTok. So it's kind of working out ways that you can use TikTok that's not going to be cheesy or. Yeah. You want it to fly on TikTok, but you don't want to be the guy dancing, doing it to do it. So it's just kind of. I remember someone saying to me at a record label recently that when it comes to managing the budget for for a song, nowadays it's so much harder because. Back in the day, you'd do the launch and you'd use all the budget and then, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's either gone well or it hasn't. Yeah. Now, you could use a bit on the launch and then 16 weeks later, for some mad reason, it's gone wild on, on TikTok. TikTok and you go, yeah. ah, we need to even do, put some more money towards it because yeah. ride the wave. Like, if it's, yeah, sure. if it's going like that now, then l- let's go for it. Mm-hmm. So trying to manage that. It's just like... And, and you can't really manage it. You can't, like, put a budget, a part of the budget aside just in case it takes off on TikTok. Yeah. Um, they, I, I'm, you know, I don't work at a label, but I would just have to find more budget. Yeah. Like, we use the budget for the launch as we would normally, but you'd probably have more of a strategic plan in place to cross, you know, make it last for say, six weeks. Because um, radio usually picks up after a few weeks. And then you would go and get a new budget if it suddenly pops up. On, on TikTok because mm. there's you know chance that it will maybe even re-enter the charts or whatever it might be. It, in a way, I think I think it was Desper who referred to his um, art, his music's uh, the artists that he looks after their music as art. He mm. sees it as that valuable. But I think when we're talking about this and with the uh, expectation of going viral. Do you think it can it can make an artist feel invalidated because you can have yeah. something that's really good, yeah. but it doesn't go viral? Do you, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And even with well, with the Flyboys when we've been having meetings with labels, they'll say, "Well, what's their following on TikTok?" And it's like literally one of the first questions that's asked. Um, and off the back of it, they did this, this sort of there was this big TikTok link up in town, mm-hmm. in city centre, and it was um, a couple of big TikTok guys who were sort of fifteen. Mm-hmm. One of them's got two million followers on TikTok. Just posted up saying we're doing this link up, 2.30, meet at the ball on Tuesday. And hundreds of kids turned up. It was mental. And when the Flyboys came out, everyone went, what? like crazy. And, and so I got loads of those clips, and that's what I posted on social media, and that's when all it the labels started wild, coming. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was more so, that obviously they'll always want to listen to the music, but I do feel like we're at a point now with A&Rs especially where they're not necessarily looking at is this artist got longevity because they've got a backlog of sick music? Are they in the studio regularly and have got actual talent? Or do they just have a really good following on TikTok? Which is lazy, really. Yeah, but a lot of artists now are just getting signed for one song. So the label doesn't really care about their development or putting money into making them better um, or growing them as an artist. They just want to rinse that song. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of the new model at the moment that I'm seeing in labels, and it's a bit sad. Yeah, because you'd think the first question would be, let's hear the music. But uh, it's almost like the first question is, well, how many followers have they got already? Because it's not, it's almost a guaranteed, you know, ROI for them, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 15 seconds of fame, isn't it, rather than 15 minutes? Yeah, but you get in these artists and you sort of, they're being rinsed because they've had one song that's already doing well, and in that case, 
as a manager, I would say, don't sell it. Don't sell that song because it's, mm-hmm. we can independently make this pop. It's already popping. Yeah. Um, whereas with the Flyboys, for example, um, I think, you know, we would only sign them if it was for a long-term deal so that the, a, a label can develop them and put them into great sessions and, you know, with great producers and give them guidance on stuff that perhaps me and Desper, you know, can't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How important is branding to you? And, and are artists a brand in themselves? 100%. We're, we're a brand in ourselves, like you are. You know, you've been doing your podcast and th- that's your brand. You you are Jess from Jess from the out, from that door. Jess, oh, from, <laughs> that was Jess. Like that is your brand, you know what I mean? You've created it, it's important. Because yeah. I, remember, I can't remember who said, it might have been Desper actually. Desper said, um, you need to make more of a brand of yourself. And this was a while ago as a manager. And that's when I started doing, accepting things like panels that I've been asked to talk on. Um, so my brand as an, an artist manager grew and posting more about it on social media, whereas before it'd probably just been me DJing or whatever, whereas... Um, Not just DJing, come on. And, and you literally do so much that <laughs> I think for anyone in Birmingham that knows you, you, knows you to do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Because so, no one knows me as a DJ anymore. She's <laughs> <laughs> a very I good DJ. Don't yeah. have yeah. Very, very good. Social media, yeah. I kind of archive most of it or, and I'm just not doing it anymore. So everyone that I've met, in the past two years, probably has no idea that mm-hmm. DJ. Whereas previously, my brand was yeah. just my DJ. Um, but I, yeah, I, and no, you, your brand as a person, as in as a professional, is hugely important. Whether that's your sort of posting on LinkedIn, whether you're creating TikToks to educate people, which is what I'm going to start doing <laughs> um, about the Web three space. Whether it's doing panels, you know, getting some good press shots, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's hugely important. That that is, I get most of my business as in. People approaching me to do um, collabs or workshops or mm-hmm. um, project manage things. It, mostly it's from Instagram because yeah. I'll see I've done, oh, well, you just did that. You just project managed that Wingstop event. Can you, you know, Amazon are calling. Can you do project manage this thing that we want to do for the World Cup or whatever it might be? Um, and as an artist, like it's the most important thing because yeah. you have to create this brand that A, resonates with fans and that they understand and want to be a fan of yeah um but it also means that other you know actual real life brands night etc adidas whatever want to tag onto your brand to elevate their brand mm. you know what that's a pretty cool answer as well thinking of yourself as we are all our own brands really when when you put it yeah put it down um is there ever a risk where you're dealing with an artist where you think you're making the wrong decision but they want to go for it anyway, or no? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and it, depends, <laughs> it depends on the artist, right, because some, um, some artists will listen wholeheartedly to their management. Me and Stardom have now got to a point where we've been working together for so long, I don't even ask them something anymore. I'll just, you know, I've got these social media logins, I'll just post what I want to post, mm. or I'll just go ahead and do something. <laughs> <laughs> and the Flyboys, trust me, you just in, inherently because I'm older and I've done this before, and I guess, so I'll just, I'm like, this is what we're doing. And they don't really question it. And they don't they do see it for three days because they don't go on Instagram. Or that, I mean, I always encourage them to say, you know, if, it, if it's something that doesn't feel comfortable to you, then just say we're not doing it or I don't want to do this, Jess, or can we change the way we do it? And they do. They'll always come up with their own ideas for videos and stuff, which is great. But then you have some artists um, that I've worked with previously who I'm almost to a point where I'm like, why do you, why am I your manager? Yeah. You're not listening to a word I'm saying. Um, so I'm telling you this is a bad idea. 
you're going to go ahead and do it and you'll, you'll see and, and they do but I, I think it's just building that relationship over time where they see okay she was right that time yeah I, I need to trust her this time but yeah so recently you did um the nft drop with h mm-hmm. with soga world so if you can explain a bit about that and I'd also want to know whether you do something like that with your artists yeah um so we did h's nft drop his debut nft drop so um we partnered with limewire Limewire, the same people that used to be the illegal downloading site, they've come back as like an NFT marketplace. Um, so we teamed up with them, um, and in line with H's album, Close to Home, we did sort of two elements to an NFT drop for him. So the first one was £12.50. Um, you buy a digital piece of art that um, we partnered with a guy called Funny Tommy, who's an artist from Wolverhampton, makes sick canvases, and then he puts them into digital. Oh, nice. So fractionized. Yeah. So he had, um, he created one one piece of art for each track on the album um using pictures of h and and sort of cartoonish sort of styles it was really cool bits of graffiti and things in a sort of um montage almost mm-hmm. so for 12 pound 50 you could buy one of those and it's a collectible so you could buy as many as you wanted to and it came with what's called a mystery box element so um of the 250 that were on sale 46 of them had a prize attached to it so it could be um and, and they're all real life experiences so oh, like, okay um, so, th- so it's fractionalized and it's got so th- that so as well. Not, not fractionalized for this one, sorry. It's you literally just twelve pound fifty, you owned that one piece of art, but there were um say thirty of each of them sold. Okay. Or something like that. Um and so the real life experiences that you could win as a as a reward for being the NFT holder was um a shopping trip with H, lifetime VIP tickets to his shows, uh, FaceTime from him, like backstage at his videos, really, really good. So if you're like a super fan, yeah. for twelve pound fifty, you could potential you know of winning yeah. that is great um so that was the first element and then the second element was um which is the exciting part for me was it was a recreation of his album cover as an nft and it was purchased as bundles so in the same way that you'd buy um a bundle from an artist that had a tour ticket and a cd or a t-shirt you know merch and a, a cd this is essentially digital merch mm. so you'd buy the nft um either with the cd or with the vinyl and it came with a signed card from h and it was like 20 quid with the cd 40 quid with the vinyl you own the NFT, you own the vinyl um, and the signed card. And all of those sales counted towards his chart position. So it was the first UK, the first time in the UK, I actually think it might be the first in the world, um, where an artist has entered the charts using NFT technology. Wow. Go yes, on, Jess. And, <laughs> and wow. weirdly, Muse, um, who went to number one last week, they've done the same thing. But, yeah. just well. but you did it first. Us, yeah. yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> So that was sick. And I think that's definitely something that a lot of artists and labels will start to do, um, using technology and kind of bringing in that, that element of the audience and, or fans, especially the younger fans that are more into it. Um, mm. and, and you're kind of creating this sick little fan community by doing mm. it. So everyone, all of these people, those 250 people that bought one are now in this little NFT fan club. And it yeah. continues, they'll continue to grow it. Um, you know, they'll be on the Discord. They'll be having conversations about what can be done next. Um, and some of those fans will have these experiences with H that, you know, you can't you buy those. So. Yeah. Do you yeah. get in on the Discord? I can't stand <coughs> it, I can't. I'll go into it and yeah. it's so fast and I'm a bit like, the, This is the thing. <laughs> the, the crypto and NFT community is small, like comparatively, but it's so intense. Yeah. Like I can look into Discord, not haven't looked in for the day, and there's like 9,000 messages in the group chat and they are just talking to each other all day yeah. about H or, you know, if it's H's Discord or whatever it might be. Um so yeah, I don't. I think again, I'm I'm like too old for that. I don't have time. But I got involved in one when we, um, when Hate Beast, the yeah. NFT brand, um, was going on. 
had white lists, so I was yeah. like super excited because there was so much ha- hype about Hate Beast. And um, I remember being in the Discord because everyone, when it launched, it was like, I think it was probably one of the highest kind of NFT picture ones where mm. it was just nuts. I think um, we had two um, white list spots. And I think straight away they were worth like £9,000. Yeah, it's mad. So we're like, oh my God, this yeah. is amazing. <laughs> but it was just constant like notifications to the point where I'm like, well, this is a bit much. I, yeah. can't, I can't deal with this. I, I tend to only have notifications on. So if I'm, if I'm, at, if, if I'm at it or if yeah. they at everyone. But Discord's great because say if you've got 10,000 people in Discord, you can at everyone and everyone in every, all of those 10,000 people will get a notification. Yeah. And yeah. it could be at everyone. Don't forget my album drops tomorrow night. For example, yeah, there's, there's loads of benefits to it. Going back to the question about will I do it for my artists? Um, not yet. I think you need to be an established artist who's going to chart mm-hmm. for it to be worth doing it. But th- that's just my opinion. There's a lot of artists who are brand new artists or <clears throat> not necessarily making money or signed making music, but are doing well in the NFT space. Yeah, um, I think for Flyboy, Silent, etc., I think we'll wait a little bit, wait for the market to pick back up. Yeah. Um, and then see if there's options to partner with different platforms. Maybe. Mm. T- we touched earlier on, you know, how rapidly the world changes. And even myself just hearing that. So if I've got this right, some of those NFT purchases went towards his chart position. Yeah. That's crazy, isn't, that isn't it? it? Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't even know that that was possible. So that, that would suggest that we're definitely going to be seeing that more. And especially yeah, sure. with you mentioning Muse as yeah, well. Muse sold 2500 in, and they sold out in about 25 minutes. Mm. But wouldn't it be really cool if someone, say, like Tom Jones, that's got a much older mm-hmm. um, audience, was like, buy this NFT mm. and you can potentially come to all my concerts this or it. The, wh- whatever it might be. You'd it's have Tom Jones super fans. I mean, my mum's yeah. friend, like, bless her, Alien. Um, she's <laughs> just like the biggest Tom Jones fan. She's got a cut out of him in her house. And I'm like, whoa. But, then but she would be like, how do I buy an NFT? Yeah. Teach me now. Well, the thing is, right, it's, it's all in the marketing. So we weren't, with HSF, we weren't calling it his NFT. We were saying it's digital merch. Right. So you buy a T-shirt and a CD, you're just buying this digital for you to keep in, you know, and, and, yeah. and like I said, that younger keep generation in. get it. Yeah, it's all education. So for you to say to a Tom Jones fan, mm. you just get a digital picture of him that you can keep on your phone forever that you own. Yeah, and a chance and to win with, something. To, yeah, um, and it's twelve quid. Um, and to buy it, you literally go on LimeWire.com. Yeah, in the same, literally as you would go into Pretty Little Thing and buy a dress, you just go to LimeWire.com, purchase, put your card details in, done. So these TikToks where you're going to show everyone how to do all this yeah. when they're launching, because I, I want to see them. <laughs> So Des and Lucy, it's so cute. Asking me to do, I think Lucy's going to do it as well. Um, I need to just start, you know. I just you do because time and. Are you going to have like a proper setup as in with like lighting rings no. and? No. Just going to just just a literally, you know, like on TikTok, just a selfie video explaining something with mm-hmm. some stuff going on in the background. That's, That's the best way to do it. I mean, you, you, the way that you've just explained it there, you know, it, that if yeah. you said that to my mum's friend Lynn. <laughs> and said yeah. that's how easy it is to get Tom Jones. Yeah. Everyone thinks, you, like I said, you got to buy crypto and you got to trade the crypto to get the. And it's not. It's not that. No. Not that, so. Do you? Um, we we touched on longevity. Do you see yourself doing this for the next however many years? Is it something that you the can? The web stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Because we're the earliest people to start. Like no one's doing it yet. So in five to ten years, I'm. Um, you know, if I if we're it'll probably be at, a, a, at the peak of it almost. So there's nowhere to drop out before then. I yeah. think 
Glint Regal were just about to sign off some football teams to do their NFT drops and also their NFT ticketing. So when you buy a ticket oh. for a football match, Lazio have just signed a deal with Binance, um, one of the biggest football clubs in Europe. You, your ticket for the game will be an NFT. Um, it's essentially just a smart contract. It's just a QR code. Same yeah. way as a normal ticket, but it's an NFT. Yeah. Um, so the football side of things is really interesting to me. That's what I'm planning to move more into. Um, so you're a Man U supporter, aren't you? I knew she was going to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool. I don't she's going to She's going to talk about the face. Right I feel like you're going to punch it. <laughs> Season's not gone very well to start with. Don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, uh, Arsenal, sorry, is it? No. No, Liverpool. Liverpool. No, joking. I'm sorry. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> I think about it every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I definitely want to go into the football side of things. It's really interesting. I think... Um, I miss some of the structure that I had in life before I started doing music. Music's just so unstructured. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I think you get that, like, there's definitely that corporate structural side in football. So, yeah, we're going to do loads of football clubs. I think the metaverse is going to get bigger and take off more. It's just, it's exciting because you don't really know exactly where it's going to go, but mm. it's yeah. definitely coming. So you'll be open to all sorts of clients. If there's anyone watching this thinking, I want to get into the Web3 and yeah, I want to sure. know what... You got so good well to do it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter who, who you are and what you do. No, just no, of course not. That you can literally you can enter Web three as anything, as a brand, as talent, as a sports person, anything. And 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 that could be NFTs. It could be metaverse. It could. Be, there's so many different facets to it as well. Yeah. Um. But it's just it's just going to get bigger. And this is the thing I was saying to the radio kind of crew yesterday. There's no point thinking or saying. You know, you can have your opinion. Oh, this is a load of crap. It's never going to take off. But it is. It already yeah. is. It. So just get your head around it yeah. and start. And, it, and it's not to say go and jump in the metaverse right now and stop planning your whole life in there, but just know what it's about and yeah. have a little crack, you know, a little experience of it. I think the way you described it earlier was pretty perfect, actually, as in what the metaverse may seem like to us mm. will, will have seemed like what the first generation of the yeah. internet looked like, where yeah. it was just a landing page that you couldn't do much with. Who knows, just in the future, buyers and sellers might be booking advertising space in the metaverse. You know, I've said this for uh, about 18 months now. From the, When we first took uh, an NFT booking, yeah. uh, which went live on billboards, we were one of the first to put it yeah, on I've billboards. Yeah, I've definitely seen you guys doing it. Yeah, first, we've yeah. done uh, Gorilla Diamond, Big Up Chris from Rebel Cat Media. Um, we've worked on quite a few things oh. together. Obviously, Hate Beast, that mm. went nuts. Yeah, we, that one was ace, yeah. We did That's Digivan it. campaign all around London. It just went wild on social media. I had loads of people follow me after it. Um, yeah, so about 18 months ago, I said, like, when we started doing NFT um, selling with the billboards, um, we had brands like Hate Beast and Gorilla Diamond and all that come to us. And there's, it's such a big market. Um, I think these brands are going to be wanting to go in the metaverse. And yeah, I sure. would love to be involved in, like, the, the businesses that would have billboards there because mm-hmm. I'd love to sell it as yeah. like a, an add-on thing. The thing is, everything you can do in real life, you can do in the metaverse, like I said. So whether that is shopping in the metaverse, um, playing sports, meeting friends, going to concerts, therefore, you, people will be advertised to in the metaverse. I, I, I just see the metaverse as just literally a replication of our real lives mm-hmm. in, a, in a virtual form. So everything that I have here, like I said, radio, billboards, you, they, they will be in the metaverse. And... It might be, um, you know, a certain amount of time until that's adopted by the mass audience, but it's definitely starting. I think, I imagine that some big media company will do a deal with Roblox and start advertising in there if they haven't already. Yeah. Um, and that'll sort of be the first one. 
iHeartRadio has just signed a big contract with Roblox to be their, um, you know, official supplier of radio and podcasts in the metaverse. Oh, nice. And Roblox. So it's definitely happening. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, that will will happen for sure. So have you got any advice to anyone that would want to get into the Web3 space? Yes. Um, Get a wallet just just to have a go. So you just set up a MetaMask wallet, for example, which is M-E-T-A mask. Uh, Wallet's just an app. Um, and just buy a really low-level NFT. Somebody recommended this yesterday in the talk that I was at Sunil um, at Rarible. Buy like buy an H1 for twelve pound, or buy a any. You can buy an NFT for five pound. Buy one just so you can see the process and how easy it is, and you've got one in your wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing I would say is, if you are actually interested, the first thing I did was I went onto YouTube and I watched a video or um, about the terms. It just broke down all the glossary of acronyms and terms that are used in Web three that are just. If you, don't, if you don't know them, you can literally feel like you're not understanding one part of the conversation. Just learn them things like what is the metaverse, what is an NFT, you know, what is Web3, just basic definitions of these things, and then you'll feel a lot more comfortable. Mm-hmm. The, the information's out there, isn't it? There's so much information. It's literally, it's really overwhelming, but if you just focus on little parts of it to start with, you, you won't feel too overwhelmed well Jess you've took us through your journey <laughs> and w- what a journey it's been and you know what from the character that I've seen from what you've you've spoke about who knows there may be a part two in a year or so because it seems <laughs> yeah. to me like you're always evolving and going yeah, on I'm to the next thing completely different. <laughs> I'll be like <laughs> doing something football or yeah, yeah we'll need to get you on but um first and foremost thank you so much for coming on with you it's, it's been, been a pleasure a, it's been a great i'm so chat. happy that you've oh, come on my thank pleasure. you i've enjoyed it sorry about um summer our youngest guest so far no it's we're gonna a, get her on a billboard soon by the way that's <laughs> the next step she's been in videos she's been in, I she? she was in morrison's video in balaclava she had a little baby balaclava oh, oh, hilarious love that well billboard's next thanks guys